Hello, welcome to Chucked. I'm Charles Braxton. I'm with Austin Charles, and uh, today we're going to talk about a story. We uh, hope you're enjoying second season of Chucked, and every once in a while we like to deviate from our normal pattern of taking something from sports or culture or uh, the headlines and uh, just delve into a story, delve into an application that we've thought about. Austin, take it away. You have a story that yeah. uh, we want to hear. The uh, It came from thinking the stakes are, in my life and everyone's life, the stakes are high all the time. As Christians, as uh, co-workers, as leaders, as influencers, as human beings, the stakes are very high. They're so high with such pressure to perform and achieve that one can forget where I can forget where the greatest stakes are placed in one's home, in one's family, with one's wife and children. Should I have been, have, have I been, I've been commanded to make disciples, to, to leave that effect where I go. And should, you know, also, you know, kind of off of that, shouldn't my most intimate relationships reflect that? reflect my most, my greatest disciple, discipleship work. So yeah, we don't tell stories as, um, as maybe we should hear as many stories and they are certainly interesting to listen to. So I would like to tell a story from a few days ago. Um, it was already past bedtime and uh, my wife and I had already gone 15 rounds in a fight about finances and that morphed into a fight about why are you mad? And that morphed into a fight about Am I not valuing her feelings after I gave a half-assed apology filled with justification? And that morphed into a fight about marriage counseling. And that crescendoed into a hulking lump of silence that sucked the relational oxygen out of the room like a vacuum from the bowels of Hades. We were just turning another page in the chapter titled, How the Hell Does One Maintain a Budget Whilst Buying a House, Fixing a Car, and Preparing for a Five-Year-Old's Much-Anticipated Birthday Party? It's the fifth chapter in our life book in progress with working titles such as A Family Life Part One, When We Were Young and Swore at Each Other and Slammed Things Too, or Adulting as a Verb, or Adulting as a Son of a Bitch, or Is This It? And or Der Wacher Mein Kampf translated The Real My Struggle. My night post-argument was filled with slow, deep, horse-like stress, stress decompressing exhales. You know the ones. <sighs> Halfway through folding the second laundry basket of the night, I heard the sound, in quotations, the sound, an overemphasized, all too dramatic groan that comes after my wife turns off the television and eliminates whatever color popping, laugh track filled Disney XD show that dries out the non blinking eyes of my near comatose five year old son. He groaned in protest and slid from the couch like, to the floor like a melting stick of butter. I heard my wife then command him his nightly routine of two, you would think by his response, insurmountable <laughs> bedtime tasks, pee and brush teeth. The loan required to purchase goodnight pull-ups he wore made him sound like he was wearing underwear made out of newspaper as he waddled into the bathroom with his shoulders <laughs> hunched. And then, poor little guy, Swing and a miss, strike one. Gunner! I heard my wife exclaim as I folded one still wet sock into its dry partner. We aim to please. You aim too, please. <laughs> are you serious? What are you doing? Were you even looking where you were going? I was trying to... No, you know better than that. And you are too old to be doing that. You didn't even pee on the seat. Look, it's all over the floor and the wall. Sorry. No, just brush your teeth. I'll clean it up myself. I placed the damp sock in the drawer to no doubt acquire a mildew smell by morning. 
I then, for reason unknown to me, made my way to the battlefield. I mean, the bathroom. To, I guess, help? Hardly. I would have felt more adequate to help walking my art school dropout self into a judge's chambers to argue an opposing attorney of a major scientific conglomerate on the ethical dilemma of molecular DNA refragmenting, but there I went. As many of brave dads have gone before and never returned whole, intervening in the conflict between mother and child to save the day. On my way into the bathroom, I tried to think of some proverb or Abraham Lincoln quote. As I turned the corner of the bathroom where my son was standing in front of the mirror, toothbrush plugged between his fat, rosy cheeks, I opened my mouth and said, Ugh, damn it! <laughs> what? My wife yells from her knees where she's tallying lemon-lime Gatorade-looking puddle on the tile floor, spread thick with deep finger tracks from each corner of the sink to the next, like a finger painting without borders is bubblegum-flavored, sparkly ultramarine, blue crest-for-kids toothpaste. Seemingly, the entire contents had left the tube. And with it, swing and a miss, strike two and you're out, my son. Because when mommy and daddy are stressed, little guy doesn't get three strikes, he gets two. Gunner! How does that even happen, I rhetorically demand from him. Seriously, like, what is wrong with... And just then, in great simultaneity, as my wife is about to flee the massacre of urine and crest for kids because I'm about to say something thoroughly emotionally traumatic to my son, his toothbrush leaves his mouth, falls to his side, his lower lip, barely at the height of the sink, scrunches up in a quiver. His eyes narrow their gap to fight back the welling of liquid in his eyes. Undoubtedly a subconscious reaction to dad doesn't like it when I cry. He inhales, and in a moment of abounding liberty, truth, and hurt, he stops us in our tracks and pierces us in our hearts with four words. I'm still little okay. I wonder, are my dammits and what's wrong with yous forming my son more than my I love yous and you make me happies? Is my dammit more truth than my I love you? because the stakes are so high. I think, what will my epitaph be? What kind of eulogy will be given? Who will be there and why? It sounds melodramatic, but when you consider such stakes, is it really? If I fail to steward what I've been given and control my tongue within my family, how then should I become something as simple as a good employee today or greater, something as complicated? as a good man when it's over. The stakes are very high every day. What are your thoughts on the, the stakes of all the roles we assume within our lives, especially the stakes to, as Christ followers, make disciples? Well, I only regret when I wasn't gentle. Because the damage of a lack of gentleness is far bigger than you think. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is, there's, nothing takes the place of gentleness. And uh, I think that is the benefit of being a grandparent, is we are, we are less hard on Gunner than you are. Mm -hmm. And that's not just, hey, he's not our responsibility, we'll just let him do whatever he wants, you know? Party, hardy, Marty. That's not it. It's just you realize things just don't matter. Mm -hmm. What does matter is nothing severing that bond of love. So this morning, 
I was looking for my stretch bands, and I, I asked you, I said, Oz, did you guys pack those away? Uh, then I asked, uh, you know, I said, asked Mackenzie, mm-hmm. and, uh, and she didn't have them. And Gunnar goes, oh, oh, I put them in a black box. <laughs> okay. What's that black box that's downstairs? I'm like, there's 117 black boxes downstairs. <laughs> and uh, I had moved his little fort creation out of the way because I then I knew that he put he had them somewhere he mm-hmm. he he is too imaginative to play with toys mm-hmm. he has to play with something that's not a toy because that's the only thing that can fill his imagination mm-hmm. and it just broke his heart that I moved his uh, what he felt like was artistic creation of a hideaway mm-hmm. made up of lumpy throws and and old uh, mattresses and a, a cooler and a, an old chair, <laughs> but to him, you know, that just threw him way off. And uh, the what matters to me there is not that he was wrong to take the, the stuff that I, you know, have. Mm-hmm. But I went back in. I said, "Gunny, I'll put that back together for you." Thanks, Gramps. <laughs> you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just do think this. I think if we parented the way we grandparent, we'd be better parents. That's my take on it. Because as grandparents, you, you will be ahead of the game as a parent if you can see it that you're his grandparent. It's weird, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's frustrating when he he misses. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, do you know how hard so it is to clean dried toothpaste off a of sink? Yeah, it is the worst. I know. <laughs> and it's an annoyance for me because. If I don't do that every day in my sink, it builds up on my yeah, sink too, yeah, right? It yeah. does. And it's just like one of those things that's annoying. It has to be done every day. Mm-hmm. Or it is. I swear that stuff is the same stuff that they use to build buildings. <laughs> especially <laughs> especially Crest for Kids. That stuff it has so much sugar in it. It has more sugar in it than it actually is. Does it really? I does probably. Really? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, that that's just the, the, the stakes of life are, I would, I don't, I, I do believe are in those moments. And the only thing I ever regret, because we're going to make mistakes as parents. We're going to make mistakes in judgment and decisions that we make. But the only ones that cause damage are the ones that are impatience and lacking gentleness and kindness. And I, I, I very rarely have crossed Gunner like that, like mm-hmm. did something that hurt him and i could see it on his face today and that's why i knew i need to make amends here i need to mm-hmm. make this up so so be it that he's wrong he's still little mm-hmm. you know yeah uh but i remember one time i was watching i think we were watching a football game you were about gunner's age and i was tired i just remember i was tired i was irritable and you asked me a question you were on the floor on your stomach watching the game too and you asked me a question and I just basically said something to the effect of, I don't know, Oz. I just didn't, I just didn't want to think. Mm-hmm. And I still remember the look on your face like, I'm not sure if I'm going to ask him a question ever again. Mm-hmm. And it was the same look that I gave to my dad when I was on the living room floor one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was too tired to answer my question. It got it. He, I mean, he, you know, I, I mean, you did the same thing with me. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of so-and-so? So what do you think of so You want to know what your dad thinks of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, 
I'm so big on gentleness. We did a session on this a while back, the allure of gentleness. Dallas Willard. Yeah, Dallas Willard. If you will be extraordinary in gentleness, you'll be stunned with the impact you can have in spreading the gospel mm. to your family. Mm-hmm. To your family. And maybe this is something that Paul was getting into in First Timothy when he said, you know, if a man can't manage his own family, how can he manage the church? Mm-hmm. A leader... And what he was getting at there is is those interactions where we spend our relational capital or we get it back because we were gentle and that trust is built even more deeply. Um, If you can't do that, how are you going to lead? How are people going to entrust themselves to you? So your question is valid. Um, It's not meant, my response is not meant to beat you up, but I would, I would, I would shoot straight with you that uh, however demanding you you think to be a him, dial it back. Dial it back pretty significantly. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a gentle soul. And uh, so that's my stake. My stake, the stakes for me are, are, protecting the gentle nature of bonds between father and son, between son and parents. It's just a, it's a very precarious connection. Mm-hmm. For us, because we had that deep connection, then we had to leverage that when you went into some difficult years. We had to trust in that. That, that I mean, one of our goals when you were going through difficult times is try to do as few things as possible to disconnect our connection, mm-hmm. you know, because and in the end, we were right. That's what you had to bank on, that I could come back to mm-hmm. unconditional love. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, lever- we trusted in that. We leveraged that. We, like, I mean, there were times, there were times, and I've told you this, where there were times where I wanted to say something to you. I wanted mm-hmm. to say something. I was frustrated. I wanted to say the equivalent of, what the frick are you doing with the toothpaste, and why did you miss the toilet? Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad there are things that I didn't say. People say, what did, what did you have to do to help Austin? I'll tell you what I did to help Austin. It's what I didn't do. I got out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know? I mm-hmm. let God work. And I'm so thankful that, you know, you and I are as close as any father and son I know mm-hmm. today. And um, part of it was, thank the Lord, we didn't, we, we didn't go crazy over the toothpaste. Mm-hmm. But as you were growing up, there were times when I was tired, and uh, you know, you're in your 30s, you're still trying to self-actualize, unfortunately, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, building your career and everything. And I remember that memory distinctly. Mm. What's your reaction to that? To what's your reaction to my response? Uh, your response to my response, whatever. Yeah, uh, I think I, I, um, I certainly suspected it and uh, or anticipated it. I think that's um, the Holy Spirit that He. The Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going to send him to convict. Yeah, the, you know, Christ's truth convicts, it doesn't condemn. And, um, you know, I think why I felt convicted to, um, to share this like I would with my sponsor and things like this with my sponsor and I did is um, because there are truths that I've been exposed to and, and been learned to that, um, that convict such a thing. And um, the 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 most uh, 
the biggest practice in my life right now is Psalm 139, 23, 24. Mm. And um, that has been kind of oddly very comforting, thinking of God as a judge. So to search me and test me and and uh, know, and my, know anxious my heart, thought. know my anxious heart and thoughts and know my heart and lead me away of everlasting. And so all that kind of, as my mentor has told me or kind of enlightened me to, that to see God as a judge. And that takes a lot of pressure off of me. And I, does, I don't think yeah. that, that where that imagery works for a lot of people. I'm not su- suggesting um, that for especially the those who are coming out of uh, a very religious background. Well, because we uh, think of judge as being judgmental. Yeah. The we judge, think of the a judge, judge sees what, what is fair, and, what, yeah, is, what yeah. is just. He'll never do anything to you that's unfair. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. And I need that because, you know, coming from just so heavily in the 12 steps and, and being formed in that, I, all the pressure always seems like it's put on me. It's like the only way I ever can grow is by self-actualizing, doing an inventory, making amends, and talking with my sponsor. It is all on me to actually learn from things. But when I can be faced with Psalm 139 and see God as a judge, that is that he will search my heart. He knows my heart, and he will test me and, and search me and examine me and lead me into a way that is, that is, that is, that is removed of every offensive way and lead, and led into an everlasting way, a way I want to be. Sustainable way, yeah. It's a lot less pressure, and I think that's how I get to places where I can, um, I can have fun with a, a, a terribly traumatic incident in my son's life. And uh, even though we amended that, Mackenzie mm-hmm. and I, our amends did not make the, the effect that um, what caused the amends to be made, that, I mean, what caused the amends mm-hmm. to be made made a lar- much larger effect than that, and I've, I forgive myself for that. And, and I will yeah. affirm that. No mm-hmm. bigger effect did we have on you and your sister than when we said, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Yeah. You know, I was wrong. There's no excuse for how I acted there. Mm. So... Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good for. Um, I didn't have the potty mouth you have. Your mom did, but I didn't have the potty <laughs> mouth. You have. Yeah, no, Gunner, he picks up a lot of words. He has a he has a pretty vast vocabulary. We were driving the other day. We were, we were driving the other day, and he was in the back, and and he was just saying something to himself, and he just said, "Damn toilet." <laughs> where did he get that he's actually from? said a lot worse four letter words than that in the, in the back of a car that I've heard but I can't say it here so poor guy um, you're the only guy I know who is so soft spoken mm-hmm. except when you cuss <laughs> it comes out real loud yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, can't win them all. So. <laughs> but we hope you enjoyed uh, a little story time with Chuck, and we hope you uh, benefit from considering um, my my f- current failures and uh, my father's um, present uh, wisdom uh, from experience. And don't forget the allure of gentleness. That's right. See you next time on Chuck.